Let's make sure that uh, we're keeping all of our families in, uh, in, in, in prayer as they're traveling. I know we have a lot of empty pews this morning, but it's to be expected, the holiday right weekend. Everybody uh, enjoying the holiday weekend so far? Anybody else have to, you know, uh, comfort their dog for four hours last night as the fireworks were going off? And our dog was, like, basically hiding between me and Christy in the bed just trying to, like, you know. When you got a 75-pound dog, it's not easy either, you know. It's not like it's a, like, a little dog, right? But, uh, but yeah, so this morning we're going we're gonna to look at something a little bit different. We're going to look at something different because... I, I firmly believe that not enough of us understand this concept. Democracy versus monarchy. How many of us have ever really stopped to consider the idea of democracy versus monarchy? And what in the world do I mean by democracy versus monarchy? Have you guys ever heard anybody say, as you're talking to them about the scriptures, but I think, but I feel, but I want, but I believe. Have you guys ever heard that? Brethren, this morning we're going to look uh, at this study because over the last two, three weeks we started getting into uh, conversations in our Sunday morning Bible study uh, in regards to the church. Prior to that, for a couple months we were looking at the, the three foundational pillars, the proof, the evidence for uh, there being a God, the Bible being his word, Jesus being his son. In these last couple weeks we've been talking about you know, the kingdom, we've been talking about the church. And, and I firmly believe that not enough people uh, be, uh, understand the idea between monarchy and democracy, kingdom and church. And what is our role when it comes to being uh, living in a democracy, but being under a spiritual monarchy? How does that exactly work out? How does that play out in our lives? Even though we live in a democracy that's favorable to many, Christians must realize that we are part of what? We're part of a kingdom, are we not? I mean, is that not what the scriptures teach, that we are part of a kingdom? And so, yes, from a secular perspective, many of us Christians, we live, especially here in America, we live, and as well as other parts of the world, we live under a democracy. But from a spiritual perspective, Christians live under a monarchy. And brethren, it's so crucial, this concept that we're going to discuss here this morning. So ask yourself, what's the difference between monarchy and democracy? Well, monarchy is very simple. It's a political system based on the sovereign rule of a single individual. A political system based on the sovereign rule of a, a single individual. A democracy is something that is a rule by the people. It's a political system in which laws, policy, leaders, uh, states, uh, major state undertakings are either decided directly or indirectly by who? By the people, by the citizens. And that's the difference between a monarchy and a democracy. But this morning, I want us to remember some important aspects of living under a king, living under a, a monarchy. Because, brethren, there's too many Christians who have either forgotten or they just have never fully understood that concept in the first place. And I really believe it's because too many of us, because we have been raised and lived our lives in a democracy, you feel that you get the right to say, but I think, but I feel, but I believe, but I want. But show me in scripture where the, where there's a, uh, the king gives a decree that says he's going to listen to you when you say, but I feel, I believe, and I want. Didn't Jesus himself say in Luke 6, 46, why do you even call me Lord? 
You know, why do you call me master? You don't even do what I ask you to do, right? Jesus is both king and Lord. And he says, why do you even call me that? You see, brethren, when we study out the scriptures, Jesus tells us in other passages of scripture, he says, unless you believe that I am he, the Christ, the son of God, what does it say? You will die in your sins. You see, brethren, only a king can make that statement. And so you look at that statement and you look at this concept here this morning. Understanding these points, brethren, is, it may, may very well determine whether you spend time in torments or you spend time in heaven. Whether you spend time in torments or you spend time in paradise is going to be determined on whether or not you understand that while you physically live in a democracy, you spiritually are beholden to a monarchy. And so, brethren, Jesus is the king of kings. Notice what the scriptures tell us. In 1 Timothy, starting in chapter 6, in verse 13 through 15 on the screen behind me, notice what it says. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified uh, the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Christ Jesus, which he will bring about at the proper time. He is, excuse me, he, is, uh, who, he who is blessed and only sovereign, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. You look at that passage of scripture, and this next one I want you to open your Bibles to. It's in Revelation chapter 19. I want us to look at verses 11 through 16. Because you've got to see that this passage of scripture in Revelation 19 is going to be talking about the coming of Christ. And it's so crucial that you understand what the scriptures are telling us here. We've seen what Paul wrote to Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now we're going to see what the Apostle John has to say in Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 11. Notice what the scriptures tell us. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it, called his, it's called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and his head are many uh, diadems, meaning crowns. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe that's dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Does that sound familiar? John 1. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh... His, he has a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Amen. Brethren, Jesus, he's the Son of God. Amen. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. That's the reason why the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28 that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. You see, brethren, the belief and the obedience that we are to have, it doesn't come in the form of democracy. It comes in the form of monarchy. But too many of us get that twisted. Too many of us don't understand this concept. The next idea that I want us to look at is that Jesus is the head. He's the head of his kingdom, the church. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 22 and 23 on the screen behind me. 
Wives are subject to your husbands. Wives be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. What is the point of looking at that passage? It shows headship. It shows who has authority. It shows who is in charge. Brothers and sisters, in a true moniker, a true monarchy, the king has absolute authority. When the king lays down a decree, the decree is, is, is law indeed. And if you choose to live contrary to the decrees that the king puts forward, you do so at your own peril. Amen? If you guys have ever watched anything about uh, any, any of the old type of stuff on TV, about kingdoms and, and emperors and, and, and monarchies and all these different movies that are out there, yes, do they have councils uh, that, 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 that the king will speak to, that he will talk to? But once he makes law, once he makes a decree, it is final. You think about Daniel for a second. Did Daniel do anything inherently wrong? Why did he end up in the, in the lion's den? Because he was, uh, the king was tricked into putting out a decree, and the decree was that anybody who prays into anybody else other than to worship and pray to the king, right, where Daniel wasn't going to do that, he prayed to God. And thus it, it cost him almost his life. He ended up in the lion's den for something, for something as simple as just wanting to pray. Brethren, when you look at this, in the kingdom of Christ, Jesus has all authority. We learn about this in Matthew 28. You learn about that in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. There is no room for, but I think, but I believe, but I feel, but I want. You see, there's no room for that. You see, brethren, if your beliefs on sexuality are contrary to God's, there's a problem. If your beliefs on marriage and divorce, or abortion, or gender identity, or creation, or any other number of topics that we can name here are contrary to God's word, it causes you to stand in violation to the king. Brothers and sisters, to all who stand in, uh, contrary to the king, they do so at their own peril. For no one can stand against the king and live. Isn't that why Jesus says, unless you believe that I am he, unless you repent, you will all likewise what? You will all likewise perish. You see, brethren, yes, you grew up in a democracy, but you are spiritually beholden to a monarchy. And I think too many times we allow the concepts of democracy to seep into the church. And we, we don't really fully understand that it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you want. It only matters what the king decrees. You see, brethren, this might sound like a hard message. You might say, well, man, why are you being so firm, Dave? I'm being firm because I don't want any of us to end up in a situation to where what we believe is contrary to the king's decree, and then it's going to cost me my eternal soul. You see, brethren, we need to be willing and able to speak the truth with love, gentleness, but honesty. Brutal honesty, if need be. I can't tell you how many times I hear kids of Christian parents, and I'm not talking worldly, I'm talking Lord's Church, that will tell you that they would disagree with the church, and they would disagree with the preacher when it comes to things like abortion, things like gender identity, things like sexuality. And if you don't believe me, start having conversations with them. They'll tell you that they have different ideas. 
Well, you can have different ideas because you live in a democracy, but you're spiritually beholden to a monarchy. So what does that mean? That means that if you continue to go on giving hearty approval to what God calls sin, you are in violation. Romans chapter 1, 18 through 32. You see, brethren, it is so crucial that you understand this concept. I'm not, I really shouldn't be speaking about anything here this morning that's mind-blowing. Right? These are basic concepts of Scripture. But I'm here to tell you there's not enough of us, adult and child alike, who understand this concept because we have grown up in a democracy and we believe that the democracy carries over to the church. Yeah. And it does not. Yeah. Brethren, we look at this information here this morning and as we do, we know that Jesus tells us in John 8 and Luke 6 and Matthew 7 that unless you believe, unless you repent, you will die in your sins. And the reason why this is such a crucial concept is because too many of us who are living under a democracy are used to having our voice heard. We're used to getting our way. We're used to basically just basically people wanting to pacify us, even if they disagree with us. Brothers and sisters, while you may physically live in a democracy that, doesn't, that allows certain freedoms of thought and of action and of speech, you're voluntarily, you have voluntarily signed up to be spiritually beholden to a king. And so, brothers and sisters, here is the key difference. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel in regard to any of the topics that's mentioned or that could be mentioned because Jesus is the king of kings. He has spoken and any thoughts and beliefs that are contrary to his decree puts you in violation. And there's a reason why I say that. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Why do not more of us focus on this one simple verse? On the screen behind me it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Who is Jesus speaking to through the Apostle Matthew? The Holy Spirit guided Matthew in these words. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Christians. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. You know, only Christians are going to call Jesus Lord. Gentile pagan believers aren't calling him Lord. He's talking to Christians. He says, not everyone, Christians, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only who do the will of my Father will be those who enter into the kingdom yeah. of heaven. Brethren, you look at that simple verse. Could it be any clearer? What is Jesus telling us there? There is law, and that law comes from the Father. And that Father has passed the law to me, in which I have come to give to you. For I came to save the world, but you have that which judges you. The law that I speak is what will judge you in the last day. There is no negotiation. You don't get to stand before Christ in the judgment and have a, have a, a conversation. You don't get to plead your case. You will be judged according to the law, as each and every person on this planet is also going to be judged according to the, to the law, the decree of the king. You see, brothers and sisters, you, you, you think about this concept. And I just wonder, how many of us have really thought about this concept? How often do you think about this concept? See, it's easy to get caught up in the idea of democracy. That are we, we are we the people. We need to have our voices heard. And if I can get enough people to agree with me, vote with me, well, then I can have my way. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter how many people may agree with you on something that is contrary to the word of God. 
And, and, and I know I'm beating a dead horse right now, but I need to make sure you leave here fully understanding this point. Because I and the elders have too many conversations with people who I don't think understand this or never did understand it before maybe they even gave their lives to Christ. You see, brethren, it's important to know that Jesus has all authority. In all matters, the will of God comes before anything else. You guys remember in Acts chapter 5 and verse uh, uh, 29 when Peter and John, they said, we must obey God rather than men. Brethren, it's the same thing today. No matter what the world is saying, no matter what the world is teaching, no matter what the new ideology is of the day, we must make sure that we stand with God and not with man. So how do I conduct myself by physically living in a democracy, but spiritually being, hold, be, being beholden to a monarchy? How do, how do I, how does, what does that look like? How do I do that? Well, it's very simple. When the physical governments do not require us to violate our king's authority, you obey. You live in obedience. Up until the point they ask you to do something that violates, violates the king. Brother, never forget that rejection of a king's law will result in punishment. Notice what it says in this next passage of scripture on the screen behind me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us will be recompensed for his deeds done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You see, brethren, oftentimes you'll hear people say that we need to pray for the dead and things like that. I'm here to tell you that when you die, you go to stand before God in judgment, it's too late. The prayers will not work because you are going to be judged based on what? What does it say? You're judged based on the deeds that are done in the body. That's the reason why the scriptures say that God is impartial. He's not going to show favoritism one over another. All of us will be judged based on the same standard when we stand before God in judgment at the end of our lives. Never forget, brethren, in this world we do not have a lasting city, but all of us are seeking a city to come. That's what Hebrews 13, chapter, uh, chapter 13 teaches us. The scriptures teach us that there's only one kingdom and that God has promised that it will endure forever. And that kingdom, which shall uh, never, and that kingdom shall never be destroyed. That's going back to Daniel chapter two and verse forty-four. It talks about that. It was prophesied back in Daniel. Jesus pro uh, promised to build his church. He promised to build his kingdom. That was the scripture reading here this morning, Matthew sixteen, eighteen, and nineteen. Brethren, death cannot destroy the kingdom because its members are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we will live on forever as it says in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9 and 10. But we will only live on forever in paradise uh, alongside the Lord if we live faithfully unto the decree of the king. If we, even if we are baptized into Christ, but we fall away from Christ and we no longer live according to his commands, the scriptures are crystal clear that we will be judged according to the deeds done in the body. And if our faith had, had have waned, and if our faith had fallen by the wayside, and we end our in our lives end as a disappointment to God, even if you're baptized, you will still pay the final price. You see, brothers and sisters, there is only one kingdom, and Jesus is the King of Kings, and He is the Lord of Lords. And yet there are kingdoms here on earth which will be shaken. In fact, all things will be shaken, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 26. So that the things which cannot be shaken will remain. Hebrews 12. 
Brethren, this means that Christianities must, uh, must prepare ourselves because there are going to be times in America and around the world when the governmental institutions are going to be shaken. They are going to come, uh, there's peril that is going to come to them. You think about what's happening in this country. It's because God has allowed this country to be shaken because of our own sin. Because we have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten that we are beholden to a spiritual monarchy. And that the king's law, his decree, is what matters. It doesn't matter what you think, what you feel, what you want, what you desire. It only matters if you're living beholden to the decree of the king. Brothers and sisters, some Christians have fought and they have bled for governmental causes. They have fought and bled uh, uh, as, as part of a loyalty to this nation. Some have died. And this produces deep emotions towards these institutions. When you evaluate the expectations, when you evaluate uh, the disappointments that come because of these institutions, when circumstances fail to, lead the, to really yield the, des- the desired result, Brethren, you, you start to wonder if nationalism becomes an idol. Does nationalism become an idol? And I'm here to tell you that it can. It doesn't mean that it will, but it can become an idol. Well, how? It can become an idol if your allegiance to, to country is, takes precedence over your allegiance to God. So we think about these things here this morning. Do we not often sing of heaven? We often sing of heaven, but we, but we invest our patriotism our, in the love of our homeland. We sing of heaven, but you're not willing to stand up for God, the king, and his principles like you're, like you're willing to stand up for the things that are happening in this country. How many people do you know that get so worked up over all that's happening in this country, but you don't actually get that worked up about uh, the, 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 the decline of the church. You don't get that worked up when more and more people are trampling on your faith. But heaven forbid they trample on the institution of this country. Brothers and sisters, being under a monarchical system is not bad for those who submit to the king. I mean, remember, think about all the blessings that we have in Christ. Think about this next passage on the screen behind me where we have inheritance, we have redemption. Romans chapter 8 tells us, and starting in verse 14, for all, who have been, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, you are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery uh, leading to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Adoption as sons by which we, care, we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are children of God. And if we are children, that means we are heirs. And heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So what is that talking about, brethren? As children of God, we must share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, in the here and in the now, that we may be glorified him in a future state. Are you willing to suffer alongside the kingdom? Are you willing to suffer for the kingdom, for the church, on behalf of the king? Let's consider now salvation. Let's consider justification. As Christians, the scriptures tell us that we have been washed, have we not? We have been washed, we have been sanctified, we have been justified. And we are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ and all who obey and and all who trust and obey will receive the crown of glory. The scriptures are crystal clear about that in Romans chapter 6, 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, Psalm chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, another benefit that we have is that we're part of a priesthood. We're part of eternal priesthood, and Christians are being built up as a spiritual house, it tells us in the gospel, or not in the gospel, but in the book of Hebrews. We're being built up as a spiritual priesthood, it tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 and 9, to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God. You see, brethren, we are a people for God's own possession, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous lights. You see, brethren, there are many wonderful aspects about being part of the kingdom. By being under the king, a king who cares for his creation, a king who cares for his people, who provides for all the needs that we could possibly ever have. You see, brethren, God provides for his children. There's this last little benefit called heaven, where God will wipe away every tear, where there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more uh, crying, there'll be no more mourning, there'll be no more sorrow. We will reside eternally alongside the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we will, we will serve and worship God in a place of eternal peace, in a place of eternal comfort, where God himself will provide for all of our needs. Brothers and sisters, as I shut this lesson down, I just want you to understand, I want you to remember that all Christians may live in a physical democracy, but we are spiritually beholden to a monarchy. Torments, heaven, it's really up to you. Torments or heaven are really up to you. How you're going to live your life is really up to you. You could, you could live through your faith with I think, I feel, I want, I desire, I believe. But if those things contradict the decree of the king, the king of kings and the lord of lords, you are in violation and Jesus will tell you, depart from me, for I don't even know who you are. Amen. Brother, which would you rather hear? Well done, my good and faithful servants, or depart from me, for I know not who you are. You see, brothers and sisters, you have a choice to make. Each and every one of us here today, if you haven't understood this concept, I'm pretty sure I laid it down pretty crystal clear. You get to leave here today still alive and still with the opportunity to make sure that you're repenting if need be. That you transform your thoughts, you transform your mind to, the, to, to understanding that you are beholden to the king and to the decrees in which he has given us through the New Testament. The New Testament is God's blueprint for our very lives. It tells us how to attain heaven, but it also tells us that we will attain hell if we choose to reject Jesus, reject his, uh, his law, and reject his kingdom. Yeah. Brethren, you get to make a choice today. If you're here today and you're not a part of the kingdom, you're not, you're not living under the spiritual monarchy, but you desire to, you have an opportunity to, to take care of that today. You have an opportunity to fix that today. All you have to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then you are ready for the waters of baptism because I'm here to tell you that it's a lifelong journey of learning that's going to take place. You're never going to learn everything and then say, okay, I'm willing to give my life to the Lord. You only need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day for the remission of our sins for all mankind. If you believe that and you desire to be baptized, you want to be added to the kingdom, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.